0: This episode of Manage Smarter is presented by Sales Fuel Coach, our adaptive sales coaching featuring five-minute quick coaching personalized to each sales rep. Learn more about Sales Fuel Coach at salesfuel.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast.
1: Welcome, everyone, to the Manage Smarter Podcast. We are so glad that you are here today. I'm Audrey Strong. I am the Vice President of Communications here at SalesFuel. And I'm
0: Celie Smith. I am the CEO and founder of SalesFuel. One of the things, Audrey, that that uh, is frustrating about being a manager sometimes and, uh, is that you know we're being held accountable for other people's performance that you know, we can't go out and do it ourselves. And that creates a lot of pressure, and a lot of stress on us, you know, to to actually meet a number, whether it be a a sales goal or production number or something like that, where we don't necessarily feel like we're totally in control of the situation. So dealing with that stress and pressure is something that, you know, as managers, we
1: all
2: have to learn how to handle.
1: Definitely. And that's why we have Tina Greenbaum here today. Hi, Tina. How are you?
2: I'm so well. Thank you for having me.
1: Tina is a high-performance specialist. She's a holistic psychotherapist, author, speaker, and workshop leader. She's the creator of the program Mastery Under Pressure, which is an Olympic level. We want to know what's Olympic level about it, too. We're going to ask you about that, Tina. It's an executive coaching program that teaches mindset skills for peak performance in high stakes and high-stress environments. She is also part of the C-Suite Network, as are we, and she is a C-Suite Network advisor, as is Lee, and that's how we all know each other. So, Tina, welcome to the show. Well, thank you again. Happy to be here. So let's talk about the pressure cooker, mastery under pressure. What, what's the first thing you want our listeners to know about?
2: Well, just exactly where Lee started with this idea of what's in my control and what's out of my control. And that is the central theme in terms of managing stress. Matter of fact, the definition that I use for stress, I didn't make it up. I learned it a long time ago, but I find it, it works. It's the amount of perceived control that we think we have or we don't have. So the operative word is perception. And we can start right from there. <laughs> Actually, what is in our control as a manager and what is not?
1: Well, like you said, you need to find it, name it, and clear it. Can you explain a little bit about what you mean by
2: that? Sure. So... Pressure comes from all over the place. We start out by, we feel it. The body kind of goes into a stress response. And if you're not in touch with your body-mind experience, which many people are not because we're not trained that way, the mind kind of takes over and, and gets very busy. And and when we're, we're under a lot of stress, we actually can't think very clearly. There's a whole bunch of things that go on in the nervous system and the and the amount of chemicals that are kind of pouring through the brain and pouring through the body and, and so on and so forth. So I always like to start with the question when I notice that I'm feeling stressed. And again, I'm pretty familiar with how my body experiences it. I always feel it like in my shoulders and my neck and, and I'll just turn around and I'll just start to look at, okay, so where am I feeling like out of control? That's my first line of defense. So that's my first question. And then the second question I ask is, where is this stress coming from? Am I putting it on myself? Is it something I have an expectation that I'm supposed to be able to do? Or is it coming from the outside? Is it coming from somewhere else as, let's say, my manager or my boss or someone who's expecting things of me? So I like to look at the source of problems. Like what's the bottom line here, and how quickly can I get down to truly what's really going on? So we talk a lot about mindfulness now these days is is a is a buzzword. Um, I've been working with this concept for thirty some years, and it what it, the definition of mindfulness is: I'm aware in the present moment without judgment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so, the judgment you know, thing that gets
1: me.
0: <laughs> yeah. So how do you, how do you the, the differences between uh, you know if the s- source of the stress and the pressure is you know self inflicted versus coming from a boss, a manager, uh, another teammate, or something like that? So how do you handle each of those things differently?
2: Okay. So uh, an example I use a lot of times is um, when I started working with a particular business coach a couple number of years ago. He said to me, he said, "Let's just start with an ebook, twenty seven pages." this ebook together you go bup, 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 you know and it's done and I'm thinking at the time 27 pages feels like a lot of pages <laughs> to be done so quickly and I'm beginning to start to feel the stress so I asked myself okay where is it coming from is it coming from my boss you know my, my, my coach's expectation of me or is it coming from my own expectation of myself well in this case I was picking it up from him However, the truth was without judgment, the reality was, what does he care? It's not his business. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: It's my business. So I'm putting that, so I noticed that I'm putting the stress on myself and I said, well, 27 pages feels like a lot right now, but I could do five tips and I could do that pretty quickly. So I just shifted it for myself. I got the five tips done and then, then it became my ebook, then it became actually my book, but it came in stages that I could manage.
0: So if you have then a, a boss then who's bearing down on you that you have to hit a certain productivity goal or something like that, and uh, so now the, the pressure is actually is coming from the boss, you know, that it's not just something that, that you're putting on yourself uh, to reach. How do you handle that a little differently?
2: About number one, okay, so I recognize where it's coming from. I also ask myself, is this something that I can accomplish? Is this a realistic goal for me? And, you know, if I, if I push myself and I challenge myself, can I actually achieve it? Because again, when you think about smart goals, those, you know, uh, objectable, you know, objective and achievable, is this a reasonable request of me? And if I feel like it's not, then I need to be able to speak up. In the moment. In the moment, right? So there's another wonderful little kind of piece that I work with is that you're, You can only go as far as your nervous system will allow Hmm. or as fast as your nervous system will allow. So somebody could expect all kinds of things from me. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Okay.
0: You speak of in the book, something that's very fascinating to me that I'd like to learn more about, which is the relaxation response. What's that about?
2: So... Many of us relax sometimes in front of the TV or we put on music or we do something, but it doesn't necessarily change the brain waves. And the relaxation response actually was coined by this guy Herbert Benson in the 1960s. I think he was a a cardiologist. And what he coined was the fact that you could get into this deep state of relaxation, which would actually change your brain waves. And it's sort of like a hypnotic state, it's like that pre-dream state where the mind is very loose and you're not attached to any particular topic. Or the, the And then if you stay in that space and you focus, and we can talk about how you get there, if you focus on one thing, meditation is focused concentration. So if I focus on my breath, or if I focus on an image or a candle, What it does is it quiets down the left side of the brain, which is the chatter side, Mm. opens up the right side of the brain, which is where your creativity is, where things are not linear. They just kind of pop in like little sparks and the mind becomes, again, very loose and the body becomes extremely relaxed. And now you're in the parasympathetic nervous system. So the, the heart rate variability is, goes between the parasympathetic nervous system, which says, oh, I, you know, I got a lot of money in the bank, everything is calm and cool, versus the sympathetic nervous system, which puts us into action. And that's the one that gets the adrenaline going. So in our culture, for the most part, and especially we're talking about high, high level, high stress, high stakes. We
0: have a bias toward action. So that's, we're, we're not calm people in general.
2: That's right. So in order to be able to initiate that relaxation response, you have to be able to, tr- you have to train the body. And you train it over time, just like any other skill.
0: Without tequila.
2: <laughs> Without tequila, that's right. What was tequila. You say, My problem is patience, I don't have the patience. <laughs> it's still that
1: long to get to that state.
2: Well, know? again, if you start out Audrey, in, in just little two minute increments, and three minute, and four minute, and, and then what happens, is it feels so good that that becomes addictive. Hmm. Got it. I'd love You're to be- that. like a, a
0: runner's high or something like that?
2: <laughs> yes. It, I mean, it's really, I gotta tell you a funny joke. Well, it's not even so much a joke. Many years ago, I started, I went to it on a silence retreat and it was a 10 day silence retreat. So you can imagine being pulled out from t- for 10 days. Wow. And you really couldn't talk to anybody. And anything that had to pass between you and the teacher was, was a note. And we meditated uh, four times a day of these deep meditations that were focused on the chakras and opening up your system. And so you became actually stoned on meditation. <laughs> I mean, I could look at ants and kind of see the way they were moving. And I said to my teacher, I said, I don't get it. It's not illegal, <laughs> it's not immoral, <laughs> and it feels so good. He says, that's the secret. Mm. So once you cultivate that and you know that you have it at any time, I could be standing in line waiting the DMV, you know, and go into a state of meditation, just look with my eyes open and I'm, I'm good.
1: You convince so, me I'm, I'm interested it? in learning how to do this for sure.
0: So. so you notice then that when you start to feel under pressure, your your muscles start to tense up and everything like that. Is that when you go into your relaxation response? Exactly. Okay.
2: Exactly. You know, and again, we don't have a whole lot of time, but this has actually saved my life, literally, being able to have that, length, that depth of breath. Um, and just very quickly, it's a story that people may be able to relate to or not. Um, I had breast cancer. Oh. And when I first um, was being diagnosed, they had to give me a, um, a test with, with a wire with no anesthesia oh. in order to, you know, so my stomach would just start to turn over every time they would come at me with this wire. Finally, I said to the nurse, I said, you know what, leave me alone. Let me lie on the floor. Let me breathe. And I'll tell you when I'm ready. And they did. They closed the lights. They walked out five minutes. And I, I said, okay, I'm ready it came back and i swear i did that test i did not feel one thing wow
1: not wow one. Powerful. that's quite a story we wanted to talk to you about this concept of intrinsic motivation that you talk about as well for managers who have reports what is that and what's the definition and how do i use it
2: so when we think about the statistics that say how many people really dislike their jobs or really dislike their managers, it's huge. I mean, I've heard anywhere from like 65, 70, 80% of people are not happy in their work. So intrinsic motivation means that I'm motivated to do this. It comes from the inside. When you invited me to do this podcast, this for me is like, it's like mana from heaven. I could, I really could do this all day long.
0: We'll see if you still feel that way after the show's
2: over. (laughs) I just get energized from this. (laughs) As opposed to extrinsic motivation where somebody is saying to me, okay, in order to kind of reach your next level, you have to make a hundred cold calls today. Okay. Might get me to my goal where I want to be, but it's not what I want to be doing. In, in my insides, in my heart of hearts. So the task for managers, the task for, uh, for companies is to be able to, ha- to know their employees well enough and to work with them well enough that everybody's working where they want to come to work. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have to do things that we don't want to do, but if the preponderance of the day is doing things that we don't want to do, that then leads to the next topic of burnout.
0: I want to hear you talk a little bit about. You know, we talked about the physical uh, things that can you know, that are signals to you that you might be under stress or under pressure. What about some of the mental things? And I'm I'm thinking along the lines of uh, self doubt, negative self talk. Uh, people. You know, having fear that they're not going to be able to accomplish something or they're going to get in trouble or something like that. What are some of the things that, you know, some of the signals then that, that, that managers can, can pick up upon you know, in their brains, basically, to know that they're under stress or under pressure?
2: Beautiful. So again, so when we, if you read my book and we talked about what I do, it's a mind-body approach. Okay, so we start out with the body, quieting down the body so that the mind has an opportunity to become clearer. That's number one. Number two is we have to teach ourselves these skills about, number one, mindfulness, becoming aware of how we talk to ourselves. You know, I don't, again, there's some crazy statistic of how many thoughts go through the brain, the mind, you know, every single day. If you're not aware of how you talk to yourself, other people are, actually. (laughs) They can hear it. I can hear in two seconds flat, really, whether somebody has done any personal growth work or not. The language is very, very um, uh, you know there's a lot of that, that that kind of lack of confidence or people holding back, or you can see they have something to say, but they don't say it, or it it just comes out you can, and it's it's kind of disarming it's not appealing. We want to be with we want to hang around people who are really actually authentic, so authentic means that when you ask me, am I good at what I do, I'm gonna tell you, yes, I'm very good at what I do. If you're gonna ask me what I'm not so good at, yes, I'm gonna tell you <laughs> what I'm not so good at. I'm real. And we're attracted to people who are real. So people who, who put on a lot of, um, so again, you've got the inside self and the outside self. So I believe that we have to start with the inside. How do, we, how do I, let me become aware of how I'm talking to myself and then i have i have a, a whole talk that i do is positive thinking is highly overrated hmm. because if we don't really believe what we're saying to ourselves you know there's a saying that says fake it till you make it but if you don't even think that you can make it mm. the body mind are not in alignment and the unconscious rules the unconscious will undo what it is that you're attempting to do so we have to find a way to change our thoughts into something what i call productive thinking do my thoughts produce something that is useful for me? So let's go back to the example of the manager has all this pressure. They have all the, you know, coming from on top of them and the things that they have to do. And then, you know, then giving it down to their employees and so on. It's let's just start with where am I, how am I feeling about my job? How am I feeling about my work? How am I feeling my about my abilities to carry out what I'm asked to do? Let me kind of, you know, pay attention to the things that I need help on, the things that I'm not strong in, let me feel, you know, real enough that I can ask for help and that I'm in an office or in a situation where if I do, my manager is not going to come down on me and think that I'm just a terrible, a terrible manager. So you've got so many layers that it all starts out with yourself. How am I feeling? How am I thinking about myself? And then what is the course of action that I want to take now that I know what my own issues are? Is it something that I have to learn how to, you know, and confidence is a whole other topic. You know, people just, you know, I I tell in one of my talks, just do it. Well, yeah, okay, but what does it take to just do it? It sounds
1: like, you know, you have empathy for your clients and empathy for your stakeholders within your organization. But really, I've been working with a coach on having a little bit more empathy for myself, Mm -hmm. which is what you're talking about. That's right.
0: Yeah. So what if you're in an environment, though, where you don't have the psychological safety though to be able to admit, um, you know, how you're feeling about yourself under stress or under pressure or something like that? How do you deal with that?
2: Comes back to what's in my control, what's out of my control. And then what choices do I make for myself? I haven't really worked for anybody, I have to say in 35 years, because I like to be in charge of me. And if I'm working for somebody that I don't respect, or I love to collaborate, I mean, that's awesome. But if I'm in an environment where I don't feel like I have the autonomy to use my intelligence and my creativity, I'm not going to stay there very long. Sure. and That's what a lot of, you know, the statistics again, go back to how many people would rather have a better manager than more money.
1: Yeah.
2: There's so much work to be done in this, in this area.
0: And this is why we discussed this on the Manage smarter podcast, because this is you know, where we, where it starts is right here with, with, with the managers and if we can, you know, we like to say if we can two X a manager, we can ten X the manager's team. So that's, you know, that, that is that is the key. And a lot of what you're talking about is uh, especially under stress, and under pressure, because people tend to revert back to their normal, natural cells right. under stress you're rather exactly than, right. you know, the game face that they have to put on then every day. Um, and so the fake it deal you're making stuff, you can't fake it when you're under stress or under pressure quite as easily, I don't believe.
2: No, you can't because you lose your ability to think clearly. Mm. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, when you're under stress, the the brain does this whole other thing. And one of the first things that goes is the ability to think clearly because uh, let's go back to the concept of meditation. One of the things, the values of meditation, besides this deep relaxation and it feels really good, is it quiets down that alert center in the brain. The amygdala is on alert 24 hours a day 365 days a year okay so it picks up everything so if somebody reminds you of a of a, of a critical father or a critical mother the unconscious doesn't ask them this question it just goes boom it mm. just alerts you all right so when you meditate what you do is it quiets down this part of the brain and then it actually um, builds stronger connections in the prefrontal cortex which is the executive branch of the brain.
0: So which it's sort like your cell phone going off with all these notifications and, everything like that. and eventually you just have to turn the cell phone off so that you can not have to deal with all that.
2: That's you, you, yes, you quiet it down and then this big part becomes stronger. And this is what makes a great leader. A great leader can see things that other people can't see in very, very quickly. And the solutions sort of come almost unconsciously. Yeah, this needs to happen, this needs to happen, this needs to happen, this needs to happen. That's what makes a great leader.
0: But if you have that clarity and that focus, then you have a much better chance of becoming a great leader. Is that pretty much where you're going with that?
2: That's exactly right. It's tinagreenbaum.com,
1: everybody, and I'm gonna spell it. It's T-I-N-A, not with an E, and Greenbaum is G-R-E-E-N-B-A-U-M. And Tina, we've got a few minutes left. You wanna tell us about Mastery Under Pressure, your program?
2: Yes, so Mastery Under Pressure teaches focus, relaxation, dealing with negative self-talk, how to visualize and dealing with fear. These are the most basic of, of skills that we we need to be able to really function at a very high level. So I teach this program, I have an online program, I have an in-person program, it's kind of like Legos, we can do it in pieces, we can do it at one time, we can do it over 12 months, I mean a 12 week period, and so on, so the way it works is you start out the manager starts out with the self, you learn these skills, you build up your capacity for more, to, in, order to, in order to be a really calm person you have to build up the body and mind's capacity for more stress, actually, is really what, what it's about. So as the manager becomes calmer, more authentic, more real, more clear, and quick to be able to have these things in their mind, then They then become the person that everybody wants to come to because we attract people when, we're, when we're, we have that level of quiet and, and calmness. And then, you, then nice. you take it to your, your employees, and then you have a whole team that is working on the same, going in the same direction.
1: We're, Sounds great. I encourage everybody to get a hold of you. Yeah, and, and, she, on board with and this? she
0: starts off with like a little, like a little quiz on her, uh, on one of our websites, masteryunderpressure.net, where you go there and you, I like, could do a little self-analysis or something like that. It's almost like a Cosmo quiz. I'm dating myself, uh, not that I ever read Cosmo, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I have heard about it, and but uh, I heard about it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Okay.
0: <laughs> but then, anyway, that, that's a great place to start then too, because it starts with self-awareness and that, that, that's a great little tool then to kind uh, of you know help you realize, oh yeah, maybe I could uh, use Tina's help here.
2: That'd be awesome. Thank you for reminding everybody <laughs> about my quiz.
1: It's awesome. <laughs> and thanks for coming today, Tina. We appreciate it.
2: It went very quickly and thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you so much, Tina.
1: So just real quickly to wrap up, we need more show reviews, everybody, on this. We want to build our audience, build the show, uh, not only on the C-Suite Network, but globally. So please share this with a, f- a friend, a colleague. Review us online. We need more reviews. I'm not going to be shy about asking for that. So that's your CTA for today, all you listeners. Uh, just just stick a review up there, when, uh, preferably five stars. Okay. Um, guest suggestions, we have a portal for that on ManageSmarter.com. And Lee always say we love to get feedback. I will take those emails. Send them to me, Audrey Strong, A Strong at sales, salesfuel.com. Till next time, everybody, thanks for tuning in.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com.